and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Cole Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gap control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, Shane, it's been so long, I I thought you lost my number there. <laughs> it's been a minute, man. Sorry, it's just been a, it's been a wild few weeks. Got my new griddle I've been cooking out every night, enjoying this. You know, I think that's the thing, Mike. If I could just keep eating and grilling, maybe football season will sneak up on me. Well, speaking of sneaking, Shane... Let's just jump right into it before we go around the league. Oh, Dabo, did you see these comments here? He's sneaking around Alabama. He calls himself Osama bin Dabo. And uh, <laughs> Alabama fans went wild. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, I mean, he was an uproar. He had me on his damn show to discuss it. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Dabo Sweeney talking about Osama bin Dabo? Mike, you're going to have to fill me in, brother. Okay, <laughs> well, here, here it is. So, uh, apparently he was asked about uh, recruiting down there in Alabama. You know, their their star receiver from last year, Justin Ross, the true freshman, he's mm-hmm. from the state of Alabama, obviously torched the Crimson Tide in that title game. And he was just asked about, uh, obviously he's from Alabama, you know, coached at Alabama, played at Alabama, but he's not as welcome as he is down there nowadays particularly after beating the Crimson Tide twice and and signing that Justin Ross. And here's Dabo talking about it. I think it was all fun and games early on. It was all shucks, ain't that sweet. And all that (laughs) stuff, I don't know about walls, but I'm kind of like Osama bin Dabo. (laughs) I have to navigate my way through the cracks and back channels to make my way through Alabama these days. They ain't as happy to see me. But it's all good. It's a good problem. So that was oh, our Dabo. That was my Dabo impersonation there, Shane. That's, so that's that's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, let me ask you, Mike. Uh, I don't know how hard of a time he's getting down there in Alabama. I imagine there's a few. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like he's wearing a bright orange blazer while he's down there, is he? You know, <laughs> I mean, he just looks like a. Any other church counselor I've seen, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) I think if, uh, I think if Saban retired, I think it wouldn't be long. There'd be, they'd be rolling out the carpet for him, trying to get him to come down there. Yeah. On one condition, he's, he's got to stop the, uh, Osama bin Dabo. He's got to stop saying that. (laughs) Yes. I never want to hear that one again. All right, Shane, before we go around the league, we do want to hit on this real quick. This, this is something that's happened since we last recorded, but the SEC has officially allowed the programs to sell alcohol next year, and a lot of the teams have kind of already come out and said they're not going to be selling it to the general public. Now, they're still, you know, they're, it's, it's always been going up there in the boxes. That's why I think it's kind of ridiculous. They'll, they'll sell it to the richest of the rich people, but they won't sell it to, you know, the average fan, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And on Thursday, Texas A&M was the very first program to kind of come out and say you know we are going to allow alcohol sales uh what are your thoughts on that shane i love it man i love it it's a trendsetter i i don't understand the the hesitation here Mm -hmm. you know and and it's not like people haven't been getting alcohol in these stadiums for years like you said the the rich are doing it the the poor sneaking it you know Mm -hmm. so Let's just let's let's make some money. Let's let's help the the university. Let's help the stadium. I mean, I just think it's when people are drinking, they are a little bit more loose with the money, and I think that's going to help with the concessions. I think it's going to help with the merchandise. I just I don't know, man. I I think it's uh, you know it's it's 2019, Mike. I think we they said it's okay. I'm glad Texas A&M's <laughs> doing it. 
let's let's open up the floodgates, brother. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, we've drank at games, you know. Uh, the, the people have been doing it for generations. I mean, SEC football and alcohol has been going hand in hand for years. Exactly. And why are we pretending this is not going on? Uh, and Texas has had this since 2016, Shane. And from what I understand, the university there in Austin is still standing. The stadium's not been <laughs> burned down or anything. Uh, they're generating about $5 million annually just on beer sales. So yeah. that's that's what these schools are turning away if they do not do this. Uh, so we, we noted Texas A&M, the first school to publicly announce this. Uh, it sounds like early next week, Missouri is going to join them. They're preparing to do it. I expect LSU and Tennessee to also allow alcohol sales to the general public. And there's a couple that have come out and said they're not going to allow it. And that would be Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and Mississippi State. Uh, so the rest of the schools kind of still debating whether they're going to have it or not. Uh, and we should we should state, uh, you know, this is not going to be hard liquor they're selling. They're just, they're just selling beer and wine. <laughs> and they're not selling in the fourth quarter, so I mean you can't you can't drink as you're walking out the door. So I mean there there are uh, you know restrictions obviously. So it, it's not going to be just uh, you know a crazy binge drinking fest at all these games. Yeah, say prohibition anymore, Mike. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> a final final update from around the league, Shane. I just thought this was pretty interesting. SEC finalizes all the bowl game matchups. So what what that means is, uh, you know, they've signed contract extensions for all the bowl games that they typically go through. And this is through the 2025 season. And the only reason I wanted to note this, Shane, is because we got a new bowl game in the SEC lineup, and it's the Las Vegas Bowl. And I think that's pretty neat because obviously the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas, so it's going to be a brand new stadium that's that is going to be you know one of these state of the art facilities. And uh, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect. I think they dropped Birmingham for Las Vegas. You know, no one wants to go to the damn Birmingham Bowl. But if if your team didn't have a great season, but you still get a you know a Christmas New Year's type trip to Las Vegas. I think a lot of fans are, are really going to be excited about that to to go watch a Mississippi State or a South Carolina or a Tennessee in Las Vegas. Uh, that that just makes the trip that much more, you know, why fans would want to go to a bowl game, I think. Yeah, I mean, some of these bowl games, I mean, you think about it, where they're at and what you can do while you're down there. I mean, this one you could really sell as an event, you know, go down for the whole weekend. You know, do a little gambling, watch a little Celine Dion with the wife, and then go watch a ball game, you know. So this one, I think they should be able to fill up because, like I said, I think it would be hard to get your significant other to buy in for that uh, that bowl game. <laughs> yeah, and I think – I don't know how high on the pecking order this Las Vegas Bowl will be in the uh, SEC rotation, but if it does become an event, if fans start flocking to it, I think it's going to move its way up there. And, and like I said, this, they'll have the NFL stadium. It's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. I would even think if this thing goes well enough, I mean, this could one day be one of the New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I could seriously see it getting that big. Well, and, and you got to think, man, the airfare. I mean, it's the, the cheapest airfare is getting to Las Vegas, you know. So I think it's going to be a great – I think it's going to be a great bowl game. All right, Shane, so that's probably all for the SEC-wide news. You ready to go around the league? Yeah, we done, we done hit gambling and alcohol in 10 minutes, Mike. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC, so I mean, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch bell, let's get to work. 
All right, Shane, let's start here with Mississippi State. I think they've kind of had the biggest news here of the week. You know, it was a relatively slow week. We still got a lot of news to hit on with all these teams, but why I think this first bit of information is particularly interesting. The Bulldogs, obviously we've hit on this on a previous podcast. They landed the Penn State graduate transfer quarterback Tommy Stevens. Now they've landed another graduate transfer, Shane, Kansas State receiver Isaiah Zuber. And that is a name, obviously I don't follow Pac, or excuse me, Big 12 football that much, but I have heard this guy's name uh, you know, on ESPN a couple times, started to do some research on him. Shane, he's caught 127 passes for 1,321 yards and 11 touchdowns in his career. And his totals, his sophomore and junior season, would have led Mississippi State both those seasons. So, uh, you know, Mississippi State really needs some help at receiver. Uh, getting a guy, a grad transfer from Kansas State, in addition to this grad transfer quarterback, Tommy Stevens, I mean, I think we could be looking at a uh, a really solid Mississippi State passing attack next season. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you talk about going from rags to riches, and I really, I'm not ruling out Stevens at wide receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they they probably sold him on the dream of being quarterback, but once he gets down there, if if he you know is a starting wide receiver, I mean, he's got the speed for it. Uh, now now you've got two weapons there on the outside that they didn't have you know, three months ago. So yeah, I mean, this is something they really needed, man. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it. Now, obviously, uh, when we had our our guest Aubrey Snyder on, she talked about the fact that they used Tommy Stevens and Trace McSorley in, you know, in the game at the same time, it just kind of mixed and matched what those guys could do. I think there's certainly a chance Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson, if they buy in, we could kind of see a similar thing where, you know, they're both athletic uh, they can, they obviously can both throw the ball, both run the ball. I don't know how well uh, Keaton Thompson can catch the ball, but if you, I mean, if if you put both those guys out on the same on the field at the same time, defenses are not going to have any idea what's coming. And I think that's how you get around being, you know, I, it's not to say Mississippi State is like totally lacking for talent, but if you have a mismatch, say against an Alabama or an LSU. This is how you gain that advantage by just having the defense have no idea what's coming at you. Yeah, no, that's a great idea, man. And I mean, I I like their tight ends. I think they've got a good tight end. I mean, they're deep in that position. So, you know, just a couple of X factors on the on the outside, and now you've got. I mean, it's it's all up in the air right now. But uh, you know, come the first to football, I you I don't know what we're going to see from Mississippi State. I just hope that it's different than it was last year I just you know they needed to get some offense going and you know they can't rely on the defense like they did last year so they're going to have to mix some things up man mm-hmm. and now Mississippi State also picked up another transfer Louisville defensive lineman Alan Love don't have a lot of information on him he redshirted there at Louisville he is going to have to sit out this upcoming season unless he gets a waiver which I don't think he's expected to do but a little bit of depth there from Mississippi State in the defensive line for the years to come and I did also want to make this other note they've not picked up any star recruits here recently but it is kind of recruiting season and I just wanted to make a note that they Joe Moorhead's programs picked up six commitments within the last two weeks and Mississippi State is knocking at the door of a top 10 class right now. They're ranked uh, number 12th nationally. So, uh, I mean, I think Joe Moorhead's done a hell of a job. Just, you know, we can still question what he, his coaching on game days in the SEC, but I think the biggest question mark when he was hired at Mississippi State is his recruiting. And, yeah. and so far, I mean, they, they've clearly, they know what they're doing to, in that department. Hey, and I, I'm not against the grad transfers either, you know. I mean, I used to joke Tennessee was transfer portal U, and, but if you could get some of this immediate talent in there, you know, this immediate depth, I think that's a smart move. So I like what they're doing. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Lexington where we got an interesting update here from Terry Wilson. You know, we've kind of uh, sang his praises a little bit this spring. It looked like he – They've really kind of emphasized his fundamentals, and it and it showed in the spring game. And he revealed, which maybe his play should have done it for him, but uh, he he suffered a significant injury. He claims last season, uh, early in the season, the Mississippi State game. And uh, let's jump to what uh, Terry Wilson had to say here, and then we'll discuss it. It was Mississippi State. Um, it was late in the game. I think it was about fourth quarter. 
and I had dropped back and, you know, had some pressure coming. And I had got sacked and Munchie, he had fell on my, my right leg and it kind of like my knees just did something silly. And, you know, I was on the ground. I was like, man, and I wasn't thinking anything of it. You know, it was, adrenaline was running. And so I get up and I'm like, all right, it's going to be a little sore and um, come off the field. And, you know, they're like, are you OK? Can you do a drop? Are you all right? And I'm like, man, I can't even press off my, my right leg. And it was swollen. kind of important for a quarterback. Yeah. It, so um, we finished the game off and mm-hmm. um, it was swollen the, the next morning and couldn't even walk. Um, and, you know, I was I was living in the training training room, and um, you know they they made sure I was getting right and going into that Texas A and M game. They had to wrap my knee up and stuff like that. So it, it was just it was a lot going on mentally. Um, it was frustrating because I couldn't move properly. I couldn't cut. I wasn't trusting my speed. Um, and you know throwing the ball, I have to press off that back leg. And you know we don't have all your power on that. It's just it's a lot of things that go into it, so it, it really was it was messing with me mentally, and I wasn't trying to think about it too much because I know I had a job to go out there and, and, and do um, for the team. I knew you couldn't, looking back, you couldn't talk about it. Mm. You couldn't tell people, hey, you know, my knee hurts, yeah. because first of all, you don't want to let the other guys know that. Yeah. Secondly, you don't want to make excuses, mm-hmm. so you just kind of had to grind it out, didn't you? Always, yep, and those are exactly, you know, the options, you know, that I, I couldn't do. I couldn't. Um, complain. I couldn't say, hey, coach, my, my knee. I mean, they knew I was banged up a little bit, but, you know, I just didn't want to bring too much attention to it. Terry Wilson's telling the truth here. I mean, this would kind of explain a lot because, you know, obviously he broke out onto the scene, that Florida game. I mean, mm-hmm. he, this guy was a revelation, particularly with his legs. And, uh, I mean, the Gators had no answer for him. And if he's telling the truth here, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, the, the key to stopping Terry Wilson in that Kentucky offense, it turned out, was to keep him in the pocket. And maybe if Kentucky obviously knew his leg was hurting, and I'm, sh- I'm sure the doctors did and the coaching staff, they, you know, they couldn't use him in as many design runs because you can't use a guy that's injured. Uh, so, I mean, this is kind of making some sense here. Oh, Bunchy done did it again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, because Terry Wilson – he struggled in the passing game, but his mobility is what made him, you know, who he was. And I will tell you this, man, it, when you have a significant leg injury, it is all you think about. Uh, when I, I remember when I blew my knee out uh, that whole next year, the first half of the year, it's all you think about is it's, is it going to do it again, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes you a little bit more hesitant, especially somebody like him that, relies so much on his legs I, I can't imagine uh how bad that affected his game but obviously it did because that after that Mississippi State game that you know they did struggle a little bit yeah so here's the numbers that I've looked up Shane so according to Terry Wilson he was basically uh without injury for six games and in those six games he rushed for 358 yards and three touchdowns now of course in college sacks count against you so you, I'm sure he's, he rushed for more than that, but that's what his numbers are. And then in the seven games he was hurt, he only rushed for 189 and had one touchdown. So, I mean, his numbers are cut in half, essentially, with a extra game thrown in. So, uh, like I said, if his timeline's accurate here, it kind of explains a lot. And, uh, you know, I think what we saw in that spring game, what we heard all spring – uh, you know, Kentucky fans got reason, maybe a little bit more uh, confidence going into this season, thinking that Terry Wilson can take that next step as long as he's injury-free. For sure, man. And he looked dynamite in that spring game, so and didn't have to do much with his legs. So uh, a lot of people count Kentucky out, and I'm not one of them. All right, Shane, let's jump to Athens. With the old Bulldog, Shane, they're still hot on the recruiting trail. Not a ton of news here with Kirby Smart's program on the field, but uh, they've picked up some big commitments here. You know, my favorite rivalry so far this offseason, Shane, Georgia versus Florida. I mean, these guys are damn savages against one another on Twitter. I'm caught in the crossfire often. I don't, you know, sometimes I, uh, I egg them on a little bit, but it's all in good fun. And Kirby Smart's still laughing at Dan Mullen, Shane, because... Warren Brinson, four-star from Florida, offensive lineman, 
decommitted from Georgia a couple weeks ago, takes an official visit to Florida. Everyone thinks, uh, you know, he, he announces he's going to make a new commitment. Everyone thinks he's going to Florida, and he commits to Georgia again. <laughs> and then the and then Georgia turns around here, goes into the Jacksonville area, lands a four-star offensive lineman Joshua Braun, and he was another. He, apparently, he was Florida's uh, biggest in-state <laughs> offensive line target. So it's just like, my God, Shane. I mean, Georgia oh. just continue. Not only are they kicking everyone's ass in the East, but I mean, they're it's like they're cherry picking the guys that Dan Mullen in Florida wants. And he is big, man. He is a big boy. I saw him with Pittman. Did you see Pittman that night? <laughs> if you ain't following Pittman on Twitter, he's, I mean, that man's probably had about 20 drinks, you know. <laughs> for, some, for a university that don't love alcohol, Pittman done drank damn case before he gets on Twitter at night. And <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is, uh, he's a character. If you ain't following him, you, you need to, because you're missing out. Uh, the, the, the Great Wall, is that what they call it? The, the Great Wall? Yeah, that's what they're building down yeah. there. I mean, my God, Shane, they've got about nine four-stars and yeah. four or five-stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're loaded, dude. And the only other thing here on Georgia, not a ton of news here for the Bulldogs, but uh, their quarterback commit, who also from Jacksonville, also expected to, to commit to Florida, but he, uh, obviously he picked Georgia a couple months ago. Carson Beck, he's going to be featured on the Netflix series QB1. Uh, for, I was kind of late to this thing. I... I knew it existed, but I never watched it till this offseason. And what's interesting about it, Shane, a couple years ago, Jake Fromm was featured on it. Last year, uh, Justin Fields was featured on it. So a lot of Georgia quarterbacks are popular with this series. Uh, but I just think it's cool. I'm sure Georgia fans will appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to watch this series for some time. But it's always cool to get a little behind the scenes on a guy that uh, could one day be the face of your program. Oh, without a doubt, man. All right, Shane, so we're talk- we were talking some Georgia football. Let's jump down to Gainesville, talk some Florida football. And how about this news, Shane? This kind of – I didn't know what the hell was going on with this one, but oh, Felipe Franks drafted by the Boston Red Sox. It was like in the late rounds. I, don't, I think it was like the 30th round or something. I don't know how many damn baseball rounds there are, but – uh, I, I don't know. I didn't even know Felipe Franks played baseball. He apparently he played it in high school. Does not, obviously does not play it in Gainesville. Uh, what were your thoughts of Felipe Franks getting drafted by the Boston Red Sox? <laughs> I love it, man. What if he went? Like just just said, you know what? I'm going. Is it too late? Can you declare? Or is it? I I don't follow baseball. I think all. I think when you get taken by baseball, you just go for and leave the. I mean, he had to release a statement saying that I'm not leaving, but. Uh, I, my understanding is once they pick you, you can leave at any time. They gonna give him money like they did, uh, oh Oklahoma boy. <laughs> I'm just curious. You know, I don't. I don't, know. I don't think I, they give any guarantees to thirty thirtieth rounders, but maybe. Oh, thirtieth round. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I thought he was like third round or something like that. No. no, I think Frank's coming back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, Florida recruiting here, Shane, this was a this was an interesting one. I mean, this just shows how damn wild recruiting is. But uh, they have one of their highest rated commits, four star receiver Leonard Manuel. This is a guy who's been committed to Tennessee. He's been committed to Miami. He's been committed to Florida for for the longest time. Uh, he released a top seven on Twitter, Shane. <laughs> and his and his top seven, he's got Georgia, LSU, and Texas A and M. So Georgia might steal one of Florida's commits. I don't understand why in the hell these guys keep putting out top lists when they're committed. Uh, does that does that make any sense to you, Shane? Was Tennessee on it at least? I mean, shortlist you. You know, usually they we make it on these. We don't get them, but <laughs> not this one, Shane. Just uh, one. just the Bulldogs and LSU and Texas A and M. So two of Florida's main damn rivals are on the list. Oh my God, that's awesome! That's awesome. That's like being married and then getting on like plenty of fish or something, you know? Like you're committed, dude. You know what are you what are you doing? <laughs> I just, committed just doesn't mean what it used to, apparently. No. All right, Shane. Let's jump to Tuscaloosa. Roll time. We're old Nick Saban. Uh, I know we've hit on this a number of times. This came out about two, three weeks ago. And I didn't even want to discuss it because I just thought it was kind of stupid. But Nick Saban was asked about it, so 
I guess we have to talk about it here. But retirement odds have come out for Nick Saban's career, essentially. So, you know, so his fi- oh, the over-under is at five and a half seasons. Uh, in under five seasons, he's minus 130. In over five and a half seasons, he's plus 100. So uh, the under <laughs> five and a half is the favorite. What are your thoughts on that number? Uh, I'm keeping an eye on Miss Terry. If I see her out in Vegas. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I tell you, old Saban, you know, something that he talked about. He's just one of those guys, man. You know, he was talking about, are, do you have the clip where he was talking about this? Yeah. So we'll get, okay. let's jump to that. So Nick Saban, he was asked directly, you know, what do you make of these damn odds? So Apparently, he says he didn't see him till now, but uh, he does give a pretty funny reaction to him. Nick, you talked before about how you still enjoy doing what you do, but uh, I noticed there's a like a Vegas book who set an over-under for your retirement year. I think it's like five and a half years. Does that amuse you when you hear things like that? Well, that's the first I heard of that one, but it is amusing. Um, you know, after the six hours I spent at home in the chair after I got home from the hospital, I think you all have heard that um, I was outside walking around in the yard and, you know, I think Miss Terry was ready to call the police on me if I didn't get back in the house. So that's not something that I enjoyed. So, um, and that's not something I really want to do anytime soon, I can tell you that. But, um, you know, I, I just enjoy so much being part of a team. I enjoy so much the relationships. Uh, you know, to have Julio Jones come back, first two days I was doing my rehab on my hip. He was there with me doing it. Um, you know, Tua actually came in yesterday when I was doing rehab and gave me a medical examination. So, you know, some of these things are are really special. And So, no time soon. I don't know what Vegas knows that I don't know. All right, Shane. So, old St. Nick, he's not he's not buying it. But uh, uh, I, I just thought that was a pretty good response. But... I don't know, five and a half years. I believe he's sixty-eight. He's gonna turn sixty-nine. I gotta bet the I gotta bet under five and a half because I think he's within this year or the next year. I think, and then I think he's done. I do too, man. And the thing about Nick is, I really do think that if they keep winning, if they keep competing for national championships, I think it's gonna be over and it's gonna be by a landslide. But I just don't think Bama stays up there i i think we're on the tail end and I, i'm not saying that they're going to go down and start you know winning just seven games a year or anything like that but Saban's one of those guys that demands perfection mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of steve spurrier and once he saw things you know kind of slipping and and he didn't have the 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 grip that he's used to mm-hmm. i think he steps away from the game and i think it's before five years yeah well, how about this scenario shane i i not really thought of this but what happens if Alabama, you know, every year they're damn number one, so the, the expectation is to win a national championship. What happens if they lose, like, three games? Do Alabama fans say, you know, put pressure on him to retire? I mean, could you imagine? I mean, the greatest I, greatest coach of all time, I think, but... I could imagine, dude. I've seen it, you know. I mean, here we got, like, Mark Rick or Phil Former. You know, I'm not saying that they were they were at the at the level that Nick Saban is right now, but eventually the crowd gets upset at ten wins and nine wins because they're not winning the national championship. The fact of the matter is, you know, Clemson's got their number right now. And if you would have saw some of the fan reaction after that game, it, it would blow your damn mind. Mm-hmm. The the fact that they lost the national championship, there's a lot of people out there that want Nick gone. They want some young in they want Dabo in or something like that something crazy so no it would not surprise me and I guarantee if they lose three games especially two years in a row they're mm-hmm. going to be they're going to be pushing him out the door man yeah, and I think the key for him is to continue his dominance with the SEC because I think if he seeds that to Georgia to LSU to Texas A&M any of those teams or all those teams I think that's or t- kind of or that, Tennessee I mean, let's, let's throw that one in there. <laughs> I think that's when the fans there in Tuscaloosa are going to start getting, you know, getting itchy tr- trigger fingers. For sure. I mean, you watch it. If they don't make a playoff, I mean, it's it's going to get a little bit 
sketchy down there in Tuscaloosa. I say final thing on Alabama, just real quick. They did land a three-star Texas lineman, Damian George. The only reason I bring that up, Shane, he is the teammate of five-star running back Zach Evans, number one running back prospect in the nation. Zach Evans is on record saying that he and George are a package deal. Obviously, Alabama's recruiting this kid, so you'd think they got one of them. I'm just suggesting that it sounds like they're going to get the other one, and if they did, if they get Zach Evans, Alabama would have signed the number one running back in the nation three of the last four years. Uh, that's, I mean, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Bama doesn't sign three stars for anything, you know. <laughs> I mean, you saw that come across your screen. You knew something was up. So <laughs> uh, what happens What happens if he says he doesn't want to come to Bama and he commits somewhere else? You think they cut loose an old three-star? He'll be gone that minute. <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee will take him. All right, speaking of Tennessee, Shane, let's jump to Knoxville. We got a little bit of an update here on Trey Smith, Shane. I thought this was encouraging. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was on uh, Jocks down there in Birmingham, the radio station, the great uh, radio station down there, the, the show Three Man Front. And, uh, you know, he was asked about Trey Smith. And uh, I'm going to read you here with his comments. We don't have the clip here, but... Our medical staff done a fantastic job recognizing the situation and monitoring him throughout the year. They had a really good plan. At a point, decided it was his best interest to shut him down. Trey has done everything absolutely this offseason. He is probably in the best shape of his life. When we got here, he weighed 360 pounds. Now he's down to 321. He does absolutely everything everybody on our team does. The only thing he don't do is he don't have contact. That goes along with the medicine he's taking, and he's getting working along with his family and the doctors to create a plan for him to hopefully one day resume his playing career at the University of Tennessee. <laughs> Shane, thoughts on that? Trey Smith, optimistic after hearing that, or just kind of more of the same for you? You sound just like him, Mike. <laughs> uh, very optimistic. I am very optimistic about Trey Smith. And, um, you know, it's going to be different than last year because, like he said, you know, he's he's game shape ready. So he's doing all the activities. He's just, just not doing the contact. And Trey's just one of those guys that does, doesn't need the contact. He needs to film study. He needs to be working out. So if he gets the green light, dude, he's going to he's gonna make an immediate Im- impact for us, man. Yeah, because that's the thing last year, Shane. He looked – you know, I'm not trying to bash him because I think when he was a true freshman – I don't think I'd ever seen a true freshman be that dominant and be that far and away the best player on an SEC football team. Mm-hmm. But there's no doubt that's where he was as a freshman. And then he comes back his sophomore year. Obviously, he didn't have much of the weight training. He, he you know, he was dealing with this condition, so I'm not, I'm not blaming him by any means. But he just looked sluggish. He didn't look, I guess, in shape. He just didn't look ready which is totally understandable given everything he's gone through. But now this is a completely different uh, you know, thing here, and they're going about it a completely different way. And yeah. I'm not saying he's going to play. Obviously, they have to put his health above all else. But if he is cleared to play, uh, I mean, I think Tennessee fans can expect uh, the old Trey Smith to come back based on these comments. I, I do too. I think you're going to see a totally different guy. Uh, you know, because I, w- I remember watching that West Virginia game last year, the first game of the season, and mm-hmm. and that's I watched him several. I mean, I I love watching the the line. I love watching the the big dogs go at it. You know, and I was just expecting him to manhandle everybody. And uh, like you said, he came out a little sluggish, and it took him several games to kind of get his his I don't know his physique back. And if he comes in year three been working out i mean he's i mean he could be one of the greatest offensive line in the country right now yeah and i know everyone glorifies the tackle position particularly left tackle but clearly he he excelled at guard and there's nothing wrong with playing guard i mean larry allen's in the hall of fame steve hutchinson's probably going to be in the hall of fame i mean there's plenty of elite linemen that just play guard yeah. I think that's where he's most comfortable. And if he's the best guard in the nation, you, I mean, there's no need to kick him kick him out to be an average tackle. I mean, keep him at keep him at guard. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's why they signed some five-star tackles to, to play around him. Yeah, for sure, man. 
The only other update, Shane, another unfortunate bit of news here, but uh, 2019 signee, one of the guys that just got to campus, in-state offensive lineman Melvin McBride, forced to medically retire uh, due to what quote-unquote health concerns is, is how he put it. And Tennessee has confirmed that news. And uh, obviously th- this has nothing to do with Tennessee's previous issues on the offensive line. They've had six guys medically retired in the last couple of years here just from mm-hmm. the offensive line position. But, man, it's, it almost seems like Tennessee's offensive line is cursed at this point. Golly, something in the water over there, Mike, you know, <laughs> at Oak Ridge. I've been watching that Chernobyl, you know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we got a little leak over there or something. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to suggest this guy. I don't think he was going to play this year necessarily, but uh, down the line, I mean, this is a guy they were probably certainly counting on. So now they're yeah. going to – I think they signed five offensive linemen last cycle. I think they may have to do that again. I wish they'd sign me for one day, Mike, and then I could retire of all. You know, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump down to Auburn. War damn eagle. Where I thought there was some pretty interesting comments here from Mr. Tom Luganbill. I, I like this guy. He always seems to, you know, he doesn't always go with the popular opinion. He sticks to his guns and he watches the film. ESPN college football analyst. And he was also on jocks. He was on a different show, though. He was on the round table talking about the 2019 Auburn team, Shane. And I know you're not going to agree with these comments. That's kind of why I really wanted to talk about these. But uh, let's jump to what Mr. Tom Luganbill had to say about this Auburn roster. I think you'll find it pretty surprising. I happen to think that top to bottom is a football team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, but then also offensively with some of the weapons that they've got coming back, which is virtually everybody. This may be the best top to bottom team that Gus Malzahn has had. The problem is, is outside of Texas A&M, it might be the most difficult schedule in the entire country. No, no, wait. Before you, before you get too far away away from that, better than his 2013 team? I think his 2013 team had a lot of things fall into place when they needed to fall into place. This might be the most physically gifted in terms of maybe not needing the, bounce, the ball to bounce your way or you know maybe able to create your own luck a little bit off the talent, being a little bit a little bit more superior than that team. All right, Shane, you've got Gus Malzahn two feet out the door already, bearing him for the 2019 season. And uh, Luganbill says this could be his best roster ever. I, I kind of have two things to go off that, but what are your immediate thoughts when you hear that? Could be his last year at Auburn too, Mike. You know, I mean, if we're going to throw, we're going to throw out odds. I just, I, I don't see it. Um, I, I, I think that yes, they have a, they have an excellent defensive front. And that, that defense does look good, but they're going to be on the field the entire game because their offense is going to be garbage. And, you know, I think with Malzahn calling the plays, not that he wasn't last year, but we saw what he's he was doing with the offense he had. Now we don't even know who the quarterback is. Uh, I You know, some of these wide receivers, they, they've got talent, but – I, I don't see it, man. I, I see them struggling, and I see I see Gus losing, man. I see him, you know, losing his job. Yeah, wh- what I think is the most interesting about these comments, though, is the fact that this may be the damn kiss of death here for Gus Malzahn, kind of like you're hitting him, because whenever these expectations get thrown on his program, for whatever reason, they just cannot match mm-hmm. up to it. They just cannot. And mm-hmm. when no one's expecting anything of when Cousin Shane's throwing dirt on Gus Malzahn, <laughs> that's when they rise up and, I mean, win the SEC West. So, uh, you know, these comments I don't think are going to be appreciated at Auburn because it's just kind of building up the expectations. Um, I don't know about the most talented roster because I, I really like that 2017 team. I still – would argue that uh, they should have went to the college football playoff over Alabama. I don't care what anyone says. I know they they had more losses, but they beat Alabama. They they lost to Clemson by I think a touchdown at Clemson. Um, I don't know. I, it should have been Auburn that year, but yeah. Either hey, way, well, and and their schedule, man. I mean, have you seen their schedule this year? It's 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 a brutal schedule. Yeah, and some people are saying that Oregon is going to be a contender in the Pac-12. I don't. Obviously, we don't cover that league so i'm not too sure about that but that's who they open with and if they do not win that game shane then we are looking at a rough year but on the flip side if they win it 
Maybe that gives them some momentum. Uh, follow, they follow that up a couple weeks later at Texas A&M. That's a tough SEC opener. They get at Florida two weeks later, at LSU three weeks later. Then, <laughs> then they host Georgia and Alabama to close out the season in the SEC. So, yeah, uh, I mean, they could have the most talented roster, but if it's – They, uh, they mean, ain't going to beat them boys. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> they ain't. It ain't happening. Auburn doesn't make a bowl game, Mike. That's pretty bold, Shane, but I, bold. I like your boldness. All right, Shane, let's jump to Oxford. We got a bunch of uh, good news here for the Rebels. Let's start with uh, five-star running back Jerion Ely. This is the guy that uh, you know a lot of people thought maybe he was going to go play professional baseball. Uh, you know, we touched on it there with Felipe Franks. The Major League Baseball just had their draft. And I don't even know if Jerion Ely got drafted because I think, uh, you know, the word got out he wanted to play football for Ole Miss. And this is the guy that uh, was MVP of the Under Armour game. He broke the record for most rushing yards ever in that game. And that, I mean, that thing's been going on for a while now. So Ole Miss getting a huge boost here, getting Jerion Ely. They already had Scotty, Scotty Phillips, so they may have one of the better one-two punches at running back. I mean, that's huge for the Rebels. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm kind of surprised. I mean, here you got Franks going in the 30th round and nobody took a stab at this kid because I I remember when he was being recruited, some were saying that he could potentially be a first-round pick in the baseball. So uh, I'm just kind of surprised that nobody took a shot at him. So Well, I, uh, and I, I don't know that for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, so don't quote me on that, but I know for a fact he did not go in the first two rounds. Oh, and, okay. and like you were saying, I, had, I heard the same thing. I, I was hearing he could be like a top – you know, 15 top 10 pick or whatever. So I think what's happened here, Shane, I think this Kyler Murray situation has really burned some of these baseball teams. And they're saying, if there's a guy that, that is also an elite football player, we are not going to take him unless he's guaranteeing us he's going to play baseball. I mean, that that's how, yeah. I, that's how I read into it. Well, I think he's been staying on Mac Luke's couch. You know? <laughs> 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 Luke ain't letting any of them boys get in there and talk to him. So uh, he, he's grounded, man. So that's good for Ole Miss. I really didn't think he's going to stick around. So, uh, yeah, like you said, now they got two. I mean, that's going to be a dynamic backfield, brother. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's what they're going to have to lean on next year. It's going to look it's going to look night and day, dude. They, as much thrown as they did last year, yeah, I guarantee they're going to be a 70-30 run team next year. <laughs> <laughs> Grounded pound, man. One other thing here, much like Mississippi State, Ole Miss really hot here on the recruiting trail, Shane. The Rebels entered June with only five commitments in the 2020 recruiting cycle. That was one of the fewest in the SEC. And here we are less than two weeks later. The Rebels stand with 13 commitments. So uh, they they added one or two four-stars, I think. The, mo- the rest are three-stars. But, hell, Shane, I mean, you're landing that many guys. You're doing something right. So – Uh, And what I really like about what they're doing, they signed seven offensive linemen in the 2019 class. So they got seven new offensive linemen on campus, and they've already got commitments from four offensive linemen in this 2020 class. Obviously, Matt Luke, former offensive lineman, uh, that's the way Ole Miss has got to build up their roster, I think. So at least they're going about it the right way. Absolutely. And controlling, controlling the borders. I mean, there's so much talent in the state of Mississippi, and there will be every single year. Mm-hmm. You know, if one of these teams, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, if they can stay toward the top and keep those guys in state, uh, you know, they could really separate themselves and make some gain in the West. So uh, that's the key, man, just protecting that border. Yeah, and one, you know, it's it's interesting that you hit on that. I will add this real quick, that uh, a lot of these in-state Mississippi guys that, you know, Fans overlook these three-star players all the time, and I, I understand why they do it. But in Mississippi, particularly rural Mississippi, uh, these recruiting services do not make it out to these games. I've had them personally tell me that. So if these players are not making it to their camps or they're not making it to these all-star games, a lot of these these recruiting services only have the film, you know, the highlight reels and whatnot to go off of. Mm-hmm. So they are not – always accurately getting these Mississippi recruits right. And that is where Mississippi State, Ole Miss, if they can kind of keep these guys kind of hidden. (laughs) I mean, you're talking (laughs) gems, and that's what uh, Mississippi State's been able to do so successfully in recent years, and and Ole Miss too, to a degree. So uh, there could be some real gems with some of these commits they're getting. 
that's what's crazy, man. I mean, you think about some of the greats like Jerry Rice and mm-hmm. uh, Brett Favre. You know, they you know they didn't even make it to Ole Miss or Mississippi State, just right there. So Steve it's McNair, unreal. Another one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you you protect that border, man. You'll be all right. All right, Shane, let's jump to Baton Rouge, where much like Jerry on Ely, LSU got some good news in the Major League Baseball draft because four-star defensive back, this guy was also a high school All-American, Maurice Hampton, who was also projected to potentially be a, a Major League Baseball top draft pick. He did not get drafted high in the round, just like Jerry on Ely, and he has announced he's going to play football and baseball for LSU, so... LSU adding to their DBU here with another talented uh, prospect here. This is really good news for the for the Tigers. And then how about this, Shane? Four-star 2020 defensive back, Major Burns from Baton Rouge. He committed to LSU recently, and then he came out and promised to win a national championship. Ooh. He deleted the tweet, but I'm still bringing it up. But <laughs> What are your thoughts on a guy? Uh, I mean, do you, does this bother you at all when the you know these recruits come in and, and make these bold claims without uh, you know he's not done anything to back it up? But I mean, at least he's got some confidence going. No, he's got some confidence. All right, I like that. I like that attitude. You want people coming in thinking that's what they're going to do, and that's what they're selling down there. So uh, I, I'm I'm more mad that he deleted it. You know, right? I think Coach O should have retweeted. Get him, Tiger. Go, Tiger. What did she say? Get him by the tail or something. Hold yeah. that, Tiger. <laughs> Hold that tweet. All right, Shay, let's jump down to Columbia, Missouri, where – and this is just really interesting. This is, this is the only news we got here for the Tigers, but uh, Missouri has announced two home-and-home home series with San Diego State, uh, a G5 team, and it's incredibly rare for an SEC team to, to – get a home and home with a g5 but to do two back to back so in 2027 missouri is going to be playing in san diego uh and then san diego state's going to make the return trip in 2028 and then three years down the line they play again at missouri and then in 2032 missouri is going to travel to san diego state to, to face the aztecs but uh i mean missouri they've been in the sec long enough shane they're not acting like an sec school uh what do you what do you make of this Stupid. Hey, I, I hate it. I just, I mean, I love San Diego, Mike. We've been out there a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the weather's perfect, but how many recruits are you getting from San Diego? You know what I'm saying? Right. I that... think if you're if you're scheduling some of these non-conference games, you've got to pick somewhere where they got a pipeline of recruits, and uh, San Diego's not it. I yeah. mean, they have recruits over there, but you ain't getting them. Exactly. So that's the only thing I was going to say. You know, they should have done this with a school in Texas or potentially even Florida. But even Florida, I think, would be tough to get. But all the way West Coast, San Diego, uh, I mean, this makes no sense to me. I I can't – I mean, Missouri must be hurting for money if they need a home-and-home with uh, San Diego State because I don't even think that's going to be a a school that comes in that Missouri fans are going to be fired up to play. Nope. (laughs) Nope. That's a homecoming game, Mike. All right, Shay, let's jump to Arkansas, where the Razorbacks, they announced a pretty interesting series themselves. So they now are this one I like. Three-game series. It's going to start at Memphis, Shane. What do you think of that? 2025, Arkansas at Memphis. Uh, and then Memphis is going to make the return trip to Fayetteville in 2026 and 2028. Uh, so we're starting to see more of these SEC schools start – uh, scheduling two for ones, which is significant, much different than that Missouri home and home deal. But uh, what do you think about this Memphis Arkansas series? I love it, man. Now this one makes sense. You know, they just brought in that one, uh, the what is the operations guy from Auburn? He's from the Memphis area, right? And he's going to be their defensive line coach. Yeah. So, I mean, that's their area. They're really trying to break into Memphis. Memphis is kind of – obviously, it's in Tennessee, but it's it's very much a no-man's land in SEC recruiting. You got Ole Miss going in there, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU. I mean, everyone's trying to get in there, mm-hmm. uh, playing a game there, getting the Tigers to come to Fayetteville twice. Um, I think this is a home run ideal here. Absolutely. I mean, because like you said, Memphis, even though they're in Tennessee – they don't have loyalty to Tennessee. I mean, it takes, you know, eight hours to get over there. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a, a great opportunity for somebody to come in, 
and get that fan base going because if you can get more Razorback fans there, then yeah, you're going to start getting some more talent from Memphis. And I think this is the smartest move right here. I wish Tennessee would play Memphis more often, even though they have, you know, we've had some doozies in the past, but still we need to be playing them. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay, we got a lot of Razorback news, so I'm going to get to this one quickly, but the Razorbacks have added Kendall Catalan, and he is the older brother of their 2019 defensive back signee Jalen Catalan. He was the leading receiver from Southern, which is an FCS school, so he's transferring to Arkansas. And I believe, as strange as this sounds, Shane, you can go from you know the SEC level and go down to FCS and not have to sit out. But I think if you move up, I think you do have to sit out. So it'll be interesting to see if this guy tries to get a waiver, tries to play, because... I mean, if he's if he's a talented guy, I mean, the Razorbacks could certainly use some receiver help. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a waiver or not. Um, and then one other thing, this was kind of big news, but uh, their top commit, Zivon Capers, <laughs> I don't know how to say his damn name, but he decommitted from the program. And it sounds like, you know, adding, you know, insult to injury, it sounds like he's going to go to Auburn. Of course, he is scheduled to go to Tennessee this weekend. So, uh Arkansas losing their top commit, not good for their 2020 class, that's for sure. Oh, without a doubt, man. That sucks. Now, Shane, this happened. <laughs> Just to clue people in on what how this podcast goes. We look up these topics. We discuss them amongst ourselves before we jump into them. But I did not get a chance to show this one to Shane, so this is going to be fresh on his mind. But uh, you remember that old Zach Smith, Shane, that Ohio State assistant to uh, – he got fired from Ohio State for – allegedly beating his wife and all this. Yeah. And so this guy, Zach Smith, he started up a podcast, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the best part of it is the damn title. It's called Menace to Society. I mean, oh my God. what kind of asshole starts, you know, is charged with all these things and then has this podcast. But the When's reason- Urban coming on? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of free time, so he probably will be soon. The reason I bring this up, Shane, he brought up a very interesting story, and I, I'll get the let me get this whole story out to before I, uh, you know, discuss why I'm why I'm even mentioning this. But Zach Smith, the former Ohio State assistant, he told a very interesting story on his Menace to Society podcast. Uh, Arkansas fans know this name, KJ Hill. He was the number one prospect in the state of Arkansas in the 2015 recruiting cycle. He was down to Arkansas and Ohio State. He was actually committed to Arkansas at one point. He took an official visit to Arkansas, and then the week before National Signing Day, he scheduled one for Ohio State, Shane. And Zach Smith, I can read you this thing here, but just a summary is, he says, Brett Bielema called up Ohio State and canceled the official visit for K.J. Hill. So here's what, here's what he said. This is what Zach Smith says on his show. Well, first he bashes Arkansas, which is kind of a dickhead move. Here, here, This is Zach Smith. This is not me. This is Zach Smith. Arkansas is a backwoods state. They do some stuff you read about Southern recruiting where all of a sudden KJ's stepdad's job is being threatened by his boss and his family's getting run out of town. They are coming to his basketball games and just destroying the kid. But Brett Bielema did something that I've never heard about in college recruiting. And this is what he says. He says, K.J. Hill was coming for an official visit. It was the Monday before his official visit. And uh, former assistant Chris Ash comes in and says, hey, listen to this. This is bizarre. Chris Ash had a voicemail from Brett Bielema saying, hey, Chris, this is Brett. Just wanted to let you know K.J. is going to cancel his official visit. I just want to apologize, but he's not going to come. I remember looking at Chris, and we were just puzzled. I'd never heard of this. Kids cancel visits all the time, but the head coach that you're recruiting against has never called to cancel a visit. And then he said, people in Arkansas want to know why you lost K.J. Hill. That's why, along with everything else, we got K.J. on the phone. We got his dad on the phone. They were irately pissed at Arkansas, and he <laughs> came on a visit and basically said he was done with Arkansas. So, Oh my God, Shane! And the only, the only reason I bring this up because I, I I do not trust the Zach Smith guy. I think he's kind of a piece of shit. KJ Hill has tweeted out and said this is a true story, so it kind of adds validity to it in my opinion. Obviously, so 
What do you make of all that, Shazam? Brent Bielema tried to pull a fast one here. It sounds like it, it blew up in his face. <laughs> sounds like something I'd do, Mike, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, man. I'm surprised Zach ain't wound up in a ditch somewhere, you know? <laughs> I mean, he is such a whistleblower. It just seems like that would, you know, eventually catch up to him. Right, and I mean, it, I think the funny thing is that it seems like he's such a dick and the things that he's doing are so wrong. And then he's like, well, Brett Bielema fucked up in recruiting. You know, it was like, like he's trying to bury other people yeah. uh, with, for, with things that, yes, I mean, Arkansas fans are going to hear that. And if it is true, I mean, they're going to be pissed at Bielema. But, uh, I mean, to my knowledge, he Bielema didn't hit any women or, you know, do any terrible things. I mean, he just, he just fucked up on the job and, and no one got physically hurt. So... Uh, I don't know. It's just a strange story, but I thought uh, that was kind of worth sharing. It was, it was, I don't know. It's just a wild one. All right, Shane, let's jump to Nashville, where quick thing here on Vanderbilt, but uh, the Commodores have announced a three-game series, another one of these three-gamers, against SMU. Uh, 2024, it's going to be at Vanderbilt. 2028 at Vanderbilt. And 2029, they're going to make finally the return trip down there to SMU. And also the Commodore Shane, they announced they're going to put anchors and chains on their uniforms this year. So anchor oh, down, Shane. <laughs> that's right, man. Uh, first off, the SMU, I think that's cool. I, I, I think that's a good game. You know, you're down there in Texas, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe you can steal some recruits from down there. But I don't know about the jersey switch up. But I mean, what else? What else can you do in Vanderbilt? You know. <laughs> Right, if you're if you're an SEC team though, this is this kind of scheduling you want to do. These, I mean, this should be three easy wins yeah. for Vanderbilt, and like you said, you could Nashville to Texas is not that far. You can potentially get some guys here. Uh, I like this series for the Commodores. I think this is a good move. Yeah, good move. All right, Shane, you teased it there. You got some got some reviews for us. Yeah, buddy. Go ahead, cue that music, Mike. First one comes from Will in the Swamp. Appreciate you guys. Five stars. Hey, guys. I just wanted to thank you for all the work you put into the show to make it entertaining, but also very inform- informational. Sorry. Been drinking again, Will. Hang in there with me, buddy. With a neutral tone regarding the SEC. I found this show at the end of the last season after I became a more diehard college football fan. As the season was coming to an end, I was looking for podcasts to hold me over and keep me informed. This is the best SEC package podcast, I, and I look forward to following you guys through the 2019 season. Thank you again for your hard work. Go Gators! Well, I appreciate you, Will. Mike does too, right? <laughs> yeah. There you are. Where you at, Mike? Damn, uh, we got one Gator fan that, that finally said thank you for all the hard work they've been bashing you all week mike come on oh i love the gators i i well you know i love the people that take their time to put the ratings and review on itunes uh you know because this you know we don't get paid for this but we love to talk about the sec football uh you know and and this is something we're we're trying to get all the information out there because i was looking for a podcast like this you know, so I could just get a quick recap of everything going around the league so I don't have to look for it. So I appreciate you, Will. Uh, even though you're a Gator fan, no hard feelings. <laughs> uh, the next one here, I've got another review, Mike. It comes from TRG Lover. It says, great show, five star. Great show, even though they're volunteer fans. Go dogs. <laughs> TRG, I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate all our listeners, all our fans, everyone that uh, you know follows us on the social medias. Leave us a rating and review. That goes a long way to helping out the podcast. So, uh, you know, thank you very much for everyone for doing it. And thank you, Shane, for joining me as always. Uh, I'll catch you on the next one. All right, buddy. Uh, real quick, I apologize for the the sound on this one. Uh, I've I've had internet computer problems. This is East Tennessee. We just got these things up here, so. 
uh, hopefully uh, by next week I'll have it all figured out. So I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Mike. Appreciate the listeners. And uh, go Vols. One second, Mike. <laughs> I got to pick his penny up off the track after it gets through here. <laughs> here comes a lane train. <laughs> reliable internet and get away from this damn train. No wonder we got such a good deal on it, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's the end. The motherfucking end of that train.